Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Monday, friends. Wow. So much can change in a week, right? Wherever you're at in the world, life has changed. And I know everyone's circumstances look different. We have had many discussions centering around that, especially as school has been relocated here at home. Also, my husband's work, church, all here at home. The discussion has centered around helping my children to recognize that Everyone's life is being affected. Everyone is sacrificing. We're all adapting. Yet this is a time to practice loving our neighbor. Yes, even changing our activities and just hunkering more at home is practicing loving our neighbor, watching out for the vulnerable. And I am sure you have been inundated with advice and guidance and updates of stats and You know, some even finger pointing and mocking, which I am getting so annoyed with. And you're going to get none of that here. I am just going to say, which I am sure you are thinking, I thank thee, O God, for a prophet to guide us in these latter days. I am grateful for prophets, seers, and revelators who, well before any virus threatened our norm, laid the groundwork for a home-centered church. I enjoyed the Sabbath with my family like I have never enjoyed it before. I expect to see miracles in my family. And that is what the Spirit is prompting me to look for and to focus on. And I expect that the next while is going to be a game changer in my family's life. And I'm on board. (laughs) Conference, I think, as I look down the road in a couple of weeks from now, Conference will be like we have never experienced before, and I believe that God has given us a time to make that a truth in our life. Some of us may have enough and need to serve God by looking for those who don't, and some of us might not have enough, and we need to lean on God and others. In whichever camp you're in, through personal revelation, this time in your life can change your life. Don't fear. You have been prepared for such a time all your life. So it's game on, sisters. You've got this. Today, we're going to spend time in the section of the Book of Mormon called Words of Mormon. It's not too uncommon to get to this point and say, whoa, okay, what's this section all about? And to have to stop and pause and and kind of sort through what's happening here in the flow of the Book of Mormon. So let's just ask the question, what's this section all about? And in order to answer that, we've got to remember some things. And the first thing that we have to understand or remember is that there were two sets of records. Nephi made two sets. The large plates, which he had started first contained the history of his people. And then the small plates, which he didn't begin writing until 30 years after he left Jerusalem. They contained the sacred teachings and the prophesyings of the people. The Lord commanded him to make this second record. 
The large plates, from what I can see, were kept by the kings of the people. And this began with Nephi, and then it was passed down from king to king. And when the first Mosiah, who split from the land of Nephi, we talked about him, I know he took the brass plates, and he must have also taken the large plates with him as well. And in verse 10 of Words of Mormon, it indicates that when Amalekai had delivered up these plates into the hands of King Benjamin, he took them and put them with the other plates, which contained records which had been handed down by the kings from generation to generation until the days of King Benjamin. So there you go. Now, why were there two records? Why didn't Nephi just put everything into one? And the answer for this takes us all the way back to chapter 9 in Nephi. Nephi already had been keeping the record of the history on the large plates. And I'm sure it contained a lot of the same historical stuff that we read about in 1 Nephi. You know, the family parts of the story or of the record. But much later, after Nephi had already landed in the promised land, he was commanded to make another set of plates and to engrave upon those the ministry of his people. Remember that? That, sisters, is as much as he knew. Otherwise, Nephi's understanding was that the Lord had a special purpose of these plates. So we have for two years slowly basked in the record of the small plates. We have soaked up as much as we could, learning about our Lord, about his love and his mercy, his truth and his everlasting. We have learned about the house of Israel. We have learned about the scattering and the gathering of the house of Israel. And we have learned what our role in the gathering is to be. We have been partaking of the fruit of an obedient son of God who didn't know why he was needing to make this record. He just was doing what the Lord was leading him to do. Can you think about that for just a minute? Nephi didn't know the purpose behind what the Lord was commanding him to do. He just obediently tried to do his best to follow the Lord's direction and his results Well, they have been beautiful to my soul. With Nephi's obedience, coupled with the Lord Almighty's directing, we have something that brings us closer to God than any other book here on earth. Take a minute and privately apply these truths to your life, to whatever the Lord is asking you to do right now that you don't know the answer to the why and that's why you've been hung up and you haven't gotten started because you don't know why. What masterpiece is he trying to create that just requires your obedience with a bit of faith, hope, and love? Nephi admitted that the Lord hath commanded me to make these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. Is it possible that this is also true for you? 
Does he know all things from the beginning about you? And is it possible that what he desires to do is he desires to work within you to accomplish his work? Can you see it? Look at your babies, young and grown. Can you see it in them? Look at you, a beautiful daughter with so much to offer the world. Look at your gifts of kindness and forgiveness, your creativity and your perseverance, and just your desire to do good. All of that are godlike attributes placed in you to make your faithful efforts divine. So whatever you have on your heart that the Spirit just keeps bringing back to you, what if you followed it? What would it lead you to? What would it do for others? But most importantly, what would it do for you? What if you just did it and you left the why up to God? That's how this podcast came to be can't remember if I've shared that with you before. I've told you that my husband and I, especially during our bringing our babies into the world years, experienced several cycles of unemployment and job uncertainty. It was during one of these cycles where I was praying diligently, and you know, some might even say desperately. I think I would probably be one of those. (laughs) Asking my heavenly father, what is my part? What can I do? What should I be doing to help my husband, to help my family? I'm an educated woman. I am capable. So what is my part? The reality was my hands were full with five kids. My youngest was just barely in his toddler years. And so caring for my children was the priority, especially since I don't have family around to help out with that. And when I would pray, I couldn't think of a job that I could go do that would enable me to juggle taking care of my children, but then also allow my husband the flexibility to interview whenever and wherever he needed to. And I felt like that that was the priority. That was solid in my mind. In fact, if I was being honest, which I am, (laughs) my prayers were downright discouraging Stupor of thought, it's like we were friends. It's like that was just happening for me all the time. And it became the norm and it was so discouraging. Except that's not entirely true. I was receiving an idea and it was downright ridiculous. Or at least I thought so. I kept having placed on my heart to start a podcast. I have always loved every opportunity that I've had to teach the gospel, especially from the Book of Mormon. I mean, my dream is being youth Sunday school teacher. I would just love that. And I don't even need a co-teacher, but I, I know it's not appropriate. But I didn't even know because I grew up in California. And then I moved here. I'm like, what? You can get paid to be a seminary teacher? That's rocking awesome. Like I, like I have that still on the short list for one day. And one thing that I had diligently done as my children were growing up and taking naps, is that would be my time to study the scriptures. There was no folding laundry. There was no doing dishes. That was my time. And when I say study, I mean study. I took notes and I pondered passages and I would turn them around in my head, searching for 
the Spirit to tell me why the Lord had included these verses. And I would have beautiful lessons pour out in my mind, and I just didn't have an adequate way to preserve them. So flash forward, I am praying about needing help for our current circumstances. What job should I take? What could I do to alleviate the pressure? What do I do with my children? And the only thing that is unfolding in my mind, which I could see clearly, do a podcast about the scriptures. I mean, what was I to say to my husband? Hey, hun, while you're out of work and we're financially in a bind, I thought this would be a great idea, an opportunity to start a hobby. (laughs) And I'm going to need money to do it. And it's not going to make any money. In fact, it's actually going to cost me money and time. What do you say? Is that a great business plan? (laughs) I truthfully, I just wasn't ready to have that conversation. Not because that I needed to worry about having it with him at all. No, I just was worried about my commitment. But I also just wasn't ready to put myself out there in the world. And so I decided to start a blog. (laughs) That was safe, but it was also scary for me. But at least I wouldn't have to be speaking into something. I don't know. So I began trying to capture my thoughts and write them down onto a blog. And it was awful. (laughs) It really was. I, no one was reading it. I don't blame them. Writing for entertainment is not a strength of mine. I admire those who can say so much in so few words and just be so witty. And you know how people will say, only my mother was reading it. Well, I don't even think she was. In fact, I know she wasn't. Well, after a few months of doing this, and almost a year after Jed had finally gotten a job, the idea to do a podcast would not leave my heart. I kept thinking about it all the time. It was constantly coming up in my mind as I was reflecting or I was reading or when I was at church. So I just took the opportunity. I just took the next step and I started finding out how to start a podcast and what equipment I was going to need. And at the end of February 2018, I began Sister Scriptorians. And I still don't know the why. I don't know why I received during my desperate prayers for my family, why the answer for me was to start this. But I have tried my best to allow the Lord to work within me and to guide my thoughts and to teach me and to know what to say. And I constantly battle the chatter in my head about whether each episode is even good enough or if there's even any value. But as I have moved forward I have been taught tools on how to manage these thoughts, which have then helped me to remain obedient. Truthfully, I don't know (laughs) if each episode is valuable to you, but it is and has been to me. I have grown. My testimony has strengthened. I can see my God more clearly of who he is. It has fixed misconceptions in my mind that have held me back or kept me stuck. And he has blessed me to see him more clearly. And that is a good enough reason right now as to why. I know I'm not Nephi, but I'm not going to let that exclude me from the opportunity to have the Lord work within me. He knoweth all things from the beginning, and he has a wise purpose for me, and he also has a wise purpose for you. And training ourselves to be obedient to that is the key to keeping our purpose in our mind clear. So Nephi abridged the record of his father, 
and then faithfully kept the record until he passed the record on to his brother Jacob. We have followed the writings all the way till the very end, when Amalekai, the last writer of the plates, having no seed of his own, gave them to King Benjamin, who then placed them with the other records. Now, fast forward 400 years later, Mormon, a Nephite who had been chosen at a very young age, the age of 10, because of his soberness and his ability to observe He was chosen by Amaron, who was the keeper of the records, who had hidden the records because of the wickedness of the Nephites. And Mormon was instructed by Amaron to retrieve the hidden record when Mormon turned 24. And Mormon did, and he would later take all the plates and he would write an abridgment of the history of his people. And he says in verse 3, After I had made an abridgment for the plates of Nephi, down to the reign of this King Benjamin, of whom Amalekai spake, I searched among the records which had been delivered into my hands, and I found these plates, which contained this small account of the prophets, from Jacob down to the reign of this King Benjamin, and also many of the words of Nephi. So, it was after He had already made his abridgment of this exact time period that he found the plates and he read them and he loved them and he had the advantage of being able to see how many of the prophecies regarding the coming of Christ had already been fulfilled. And he could testify that what was prophesied regarding the people of Nephi had also been fulfilled or was just about to be. For Mormon, when he was about to deliver the record to his son Moroni, Mormon had witnessed almost all of the destruction of his people, the Nephites. Therefore, as he read the small plates of Nephi, he with confidence knew that the prophecies regarding the last days must surely come to pass. So instead of casting off the small plates because he had already abridged that time period, And instead of casting off his abridgment, he instead included the small plates behind his abridgment. And then he included the words of Mormon to help explain the transition to us into the book of Mosiah. Because there's a voice change, if you will, once we start Mosiah. Up until now, since the beginning of the Book of Mormon, we have been reading the individual's personal words. It's written in first person. And after the words of Mormon, that will primarily switch to third person. It will be Mormon's words paraphrasing for us the doctrine taught in the history of the Nephites with excerpts inserted occasionally of firsthand accounts. Mormon, when speaking to us about the why behind his actions to include the small plates with his abridgment said, I do this for a wise purpose, for thus it whispereth me according to the workings of the Spirit of the Lord which is in me. And now I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore he worketh in me to do according to his will. That, my friends, is where I desire to get to when it comes to Revelation. No second guessing, no insecurity, is this me or is this the Spirit? I want to be like Mormon and to know that the Spirit of the Lord is working in me. And though logically it doesn't make sense, 
I trust the Spirit because I know the Lord knoweth all things. And here I am, Lord, work within me. And so let's review real quick. Why these men have the Spirit working within them, instructing them to preserve both records. Why it was important that Mormon include both his abridgment and the small plates. Even why the placement or the order was important. Flash forward to 1828, when after translating the book of Lehi, Joseph Smith lent 116 pages of the translation to Martin Harris, and they were lost. And this was devastating to Joseph. He feared he had lost his soul. But the God who knoweth all things had prepared a solution for such a disruption in his work by commanding Nephi over 2,400 years earlier to begin a second record that preserved the more part of the ministry. So what was abridged was lost, and the small plates of Nephi are what we got. Regarding these plates, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said at least six times in the Book of Mormon, the phrase, for a wise purpose, is used in referencing to making, writing, and preserving the small plates of Nephi. You and I know the wise purpose, the obvious one was to compensate for the loss of the earlier mentioned 116 pages of manuscript. But it strikes me that there is a wiser purpose than that. The key to such a suggestion of a wiser purpose is in verse 45 of Doctrine and Covenants, section 10. As the Lord instructs Joseph, he says, Behold, there are many things engraven upon the small plates of Nephi, which do throw greater views upon my gospel. So clearly this was not tit for tat, this for that. You give me 116 pages of manuscript and I'll give you 142 pages of printed text. Not so. We got back more than we lost. And it was known from the beginning that it would be so. It was for a wiser purpose. We do not know exactly what we missed in the 116 pages, but we do know that we received on the small plates was the personal declarations of three great witnesses, Nephi, Jacob, and Isaiah, three of the great doctrinal voices of the Book of Mormon, testifying that Jesus is the Christ. In fact, I think you could make a pretty obvious case that the sole purpose of the small plates was to give a platform for these three witnesses, end quote. Friends, we worship the God of more. And when it comes to his work, especially restoring his gospel upon the earth and gathering his children unto him, he will never cease to amaze us. He will keep his promises fully and completely. Which leads me to the last verse that I want to focus on today. And that is verse 8. Mormon's prayer to God is concerning his brethren, the Lamanites. He prays that the Lamanites will once again come to the knowledge of God, yea, the redemption of Christ, that they may once again be a delightsome people. Two things 
make us delightsome. Our knowledge of God and the redemption of Christ. I've heard it said that the reason someone feels that they don't belong amongst the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is because they don't look, act, dress, or talk like the rest of us. So I once sat in a sacrament meeting when a lady who was visiting our ward from out of state stood up and bore her testimony. And she told us that it was sometimes hard to fit in here in Utah because everyone in Utah has the same haircut. (laughs) It was kind of funny, but also a little short-sighted. I had a young friend tell me that she's edgy. She likes being edgy and will never fully fit in because of her edginess. I had an older friend of mine tell me that he isn't from the same cookie cutter as the rest of us, and so he doesn't feel comfortable coming to church. And the examples can go on and on, especially if you live here in Utah. It's a thing, and I get it. I've lived outside of Utah when I was growing up. I did look, act, talk, and think differently than my peers. I'm not sure about the haircut, though. I have curly hair, and so it kind of does its own thing. There's no conforming in the curls. But in college, I remember friends who would purposely make choices to protect whatever difference of good that they saw in me. They didn't want me compromising that. And I remember I worked in college in the little boys department at Nordstrom. That was practically prophecy because later I would have four boys. I never would have thought that. But a woman said to me, she looked at me and she said, you're different. There's a light about you. You shine. And as a college student, just trying to do right with my new life responsibilities, I was taken aback by her observation. The thing is, we don't all start out looking the same or talking the same. We're all at different stages of our personal progression. And depending on the experiences that we're having and what we're doing with them, we aren't all apples and we aren't all oranges. We can't compare But we all have made covenants with God to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. And with that, it has become our responsibility to gain knowledge of him and of his characteristics and his attributes and to try our best to emulate him and thank goodness for the atonement of Jesus Christ, or in other words, his redemption, because to emulate him is a lofty goal, one in which we are messing up all of the time. Yet sometimes we do get it right. But as we all are individually working towards the same commitment of keeping our covenants, we aren't all becoming like one another. We're all becoming a little bit more like Him. It is His delight that makes His people delightsome. And the process that we are all going through is God answering Mormon's prayer. Sister Scriptorians, listen this week to the whisperings of the Spirit. You might not know what to do, but the God who knows everything does. So allow Him to work within you. Follow the stirrings of the Spirit and trust that the God of more is moving you exactly according to His purpose for you. Learn of Him and gratefully use His atonement. If you do, He can take you from where you are now and make you delightsome. Make today a great day.